0: If you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 27. Thank you so much, Dr. Pettit, for the invitation. It's great to be here in chapel. And how many of you are ready for the semester to be over? All right, how many more days do you all have? I guess it depends on when your finals are. Uh, how many of you remember in March of 2020 when your semester was cut short, not because of a break, but because of COVID? Uh, I, I remember during the shutdown, uh, my brother, the other Dr. Crockett, I'm the not as smart, not as rich Dr. Crockett, uh, he and I live on Paris Mountain, our kids are about the same age, and so we went to a nearby school, uh, so that our kids could play basketball and get some exercise, and I remember one evening, our two six-year-olds came up to me and they said, we found a marshmallow. And I said, boys, don't touch it, don't eat it, for in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. This is a coronavirus. And so they promised they wouldn't, they went back playing. And uh, about an hour later, I saw them with the three-year-old, Avi, and they were drawing on his face. And so I start walking toward them, I wondered, is this a magic marker? And they said, we found this, it writes on your skin. And as I got closer, it was a tube of discarded lipstick. And I'm like, guys, this would be unsanitary even before a pandemic. But it got worse. Uh, as, as we were, as we came in, we saw signs posted on every single pole in English and Spanish warning at the time they thought the virus lived for 72 hours on surfaces. So it warned, do not use the playground, do not touch anything. And little two year old Genesis is standing at the base of the pole looking up at the sign, licking the pole. and and it makes me laugh why why are kids not afraid of anything and yet the older we get the more we worry about almost everything now if you were to google how do i overcome fear or listen to a self help podcast uh, they would probably recommend that you engage in what kind of thinking positive thinking think happy thoughts go to your happy place visualize light at the end of the tunnel. How many of you enjoyed Voktiv last week? All right, lots of you. I mean, what's not to like about amazing singers dressed like they're from the capital district of Panem, <laughs> belting out your Christmas favorites or chirping them like Chewbacca? But the, the reality is, as, as fun as it can be to listen to feel-good music, There are some fears in life that are so deep and so dark that even a couple hours of feel-good music won't make them go away. And that's what David is facing in this psalm. In, In Psalm 27, we come to a place in David's life that is less like Voktiv and more like Richard III. He's being hunted by a bloodthirsty, jealous king who's related to him. And he is the rightful heir to the throne. I mean, as a teenager, David's job was to play feel-good music for this terrible king. And instead of getting a tip, he had to dodge the tip of Saul's spear. Can you imagine Voktiv trying to soothe King Richard? He would have a knife to Kurt's throat. Wilt thou Star Wars rap again, Falfine? <laughs> in in the psalm David doesn't handle his fear by positive thinking or feel good music though he certain he was a musician he could have he was a harpist he could have played feel good music but instead he admits my enemies are pursuing me they're surrounding me he says this in verse 3 verse 6 verse 11 verse 12 for 15 years king Saul and his army have been hunting David and, and now look with me at verse 2. He says, The wicked, my enemies and foes, came upon me to eat my flesh. King Saul is about as demented as King Richard. Now, I'm not sure he would stand by the corpse of a man he killed and hit on his widow and propose to her. But David says, The king is a cannibal. He, he wants to eat my flesh. This is not a feel-good psalm. Imagining wishful light at the end of the tunnel. But what's amazing about Psalm 27 is we're going to see that David actually finds light in the middle of the tunnel. And he gives us three ways that we can overcome fear. Number one, he says you can overcome fear by trusting God. Look at verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? maybe this morning you have enemies who are trying to take you down maybe you feel like you're surrounded by people who wish you ill david would say look if the lord is your light you don't have anything to fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid i mean if if king saul or king richard were hunting you down with their army to put your head on a pike would you be afraid David says, my heart doesn't fear because the Lord is my light. Now, this is a theme throughout Scripture that the Lord is surrounded by light, that the Lord emanates light. We get to the end of the Bible. And what does Revelation 21 say? The reason that, that we don't need the sun or the moon in heaven is because God's glory is the what? The light in heaven. First John 1 says, God is what? Light, and in him is no Darkness. And that's the great thing about light. When light comes, like we just sang about, darkness goes. So if you flip on that switch at the top of your basement stairs, all of a sudden the light comes in and what happens to the darkness? It's gone. This morning, if we could look into the tunnel of your soul, is it dark or is it full of light? Are you overwhelmed by worry or are you bright with trust in God? I heard about three guys who were on a road trip, and they made a detour to see the Grand Canyon. And so they rolled into the National Park about midnight. Everything was pitch black. They pulled their van to the side of the road. They they took their sleeping bags, and in the pitch black, they walked away from the van for a little bit of a distance. They put their sleeping bags down and went to sleep. And the next morning when the sun came up, the first guy just stretched and yawned and he looked out and he said, my heart jumped into my throat and I realized I was only a few inches away from the side of the Grand Canyon. He said, if I had rolled over one time, I would have plummeted 500 feet to my death. And some of you say, the reason I feel afraid right now is I I feel like for the last couple years, my life has been disoriented since COVID. I feel like I feel like I'm in the dark. What's going to happen with the recession? What's going to happen with family dynamics over Christmas? What's going to happen with my future? Will, will I finish school? Will I be able to pay my school debt? Will Uncle Joe bail me out? I, I feel like I'm in the dark, and and I, I don't know which way to step. It might be off a precipice. It might be off a cliff. David says, God is my light. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 139 tells us even the darkness is not dark to you. With God, he's never in the dark. He he sees the future. He sees exactly where you're going to be in a year from now, in ten years from now. See, if you were on the top of the Grand Canyon and it was pitch black at midnight, but a friend of yours had night vision goggles, I mean, he can see everything like it's high noon, what would you do? Would you stand there paralyzed with fear? Would you curl up in the fetal position, afraid if you walked one inch forward or backward to the right or the left, you're going to fall off a cliff? No, hopefully you would hold on to his backpack and trust in him to guide and direct your steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is what David says here. If the Lord is your light, you can trust him to direct your steps and, in the darkness. So you can overcome fear by trusting God. Second, you can overcome fear by desiring God. Look with me at verse four. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Now one thing here means the number one thing. The priority above every other thing. And David says, for me, that is intimacy with God. I desire being with Him, being in His presence, enjoying His beauty. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33 when He says, Seek ye first. Make it the number one thing, the, the kingdom of God. That should be your priority. Make Him the one thing over everything. It's interesting that Luke, in Luke chapter 10, uses the same phrase. And Jesus has gone to Bethany to be with his friends. And he's in their home. And who is sitting at his feet, worshiping him? Mary. She's just just really letting his the intimacy with Jesus, the relationship with him, be the one thing that she's focused on. But what is Martha doing? She's probably in the kitchen. It says she's distracted with much serving. And so Martha comes into the room, she sees Mary, and who does Martha rebuke? Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. If you could sit down face to face with Jesus this morning, would he say your name twice in a row and say you are anxious and troubled about many things maybe you're anxious and troubled about finals about your family about friendships about your future and then he says but one thing there's that phrase again is needful and mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her Jesus says, Mary has chosen the thing that you need. Mary has chosen the thing that is better than anything else. Mary has chosen the one thing that cannot be taken away. Me. A relationship with me. How often are you like Martha that you're so busy doing things, even good things, doing your homework, working so you can pay your school bill, playing sports, going to D group, going to church, hanging out with your friends? But you lose sight of the one thing, the reason it all matters, being with him. You can overcome fear, David says, by desiring God. You say, well, how does that work? Look at verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me upon a high rock. So when a king would come with his army into an area and set up their encampment, where was his tent at? it was right in the center like a bullseye. They would find the highest elevation, they would put him there, and then a 360 degree fan around him would would be his army. So that was the safest place to be. And that's why David says, look, the one thing that I desire, I don't care how many enemies come against me, I don't care how surrounded I am, the one thing I desire is to be with You, Lord, because if I am with You, then I am safe. If I am in Your presence... No one can get to me. This morning, if the one thing that you desire, your one thing is family, that's a good thing. I mean, you you probably can't wait if you're a dorm student to see your family next week. But if you make that your one thing, you are going to be anxious because you can't hold on to your family forever. Verse 10 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, some of you are abandoned by a parent or by both parents in this life. But all of us will be separated from our loved ones in death. Jesus says, Mary chose the one thing that cannot be taken away from her. And that's him. If you make anything else your one thing, you're going to be anxious because everything else is finite. It's fragile. It will fail you. Community is a good thing. God created us for community. In Monday's chapel, Drew talked about how after his dad died, when he was 12, the The one thing that he made his one thing in his life was community. But when his church community was taken away, he started drinking and smoking and partying with the wrong friends because he craved community. He made that his one thing. Relationships are good things. God made us to desire a spouse. But if you say this one thing will I seek after to gaze upon the beauty of my girlfriend, to behold the face of my boyfriend? then you're going to be anxious because those relationships don't last forever. Remember the night before the battle when the Earl of Richmond is sleeping like a baby and Richard's plagued with a sleepless night? Why? Because his one thing was power. He would give anything for that. He, he let the body count get higher and higher so that he could have power, but he realized, I can't hold on to this forever. He was eaten up with anxiety. Like Martha, are you anxious and troubled about many things? Or will you prioritize the one thing and say, I desire God above everything else? If He is your one thing, you don't have to worry about anything. Look at verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said unto you, your face, Lord, will I seek? Hide not your face far from me. How do you get to know someone? Do you look them in the elbow? Look them in the kneecap. No, you look them in the what? In the face. And that's why if if someone is mad at you, what do they do to their face? They turn it away. If if someone is ashamed in front of you, what do they do to their face? They, They look down. They can't look you in the face. If someone is in love with you, they stare into your face. And you know those couples on campus. You throw up a little in your throat when you walk past them. Your face is the relational gate to your heart. It's the way you get to know someone. And so, can you learn about God by looking at his creation? Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You can look at the skies and see something of his glory, his beauty, his creativity. But can you enter into a relationship with God by looking just at the clouds? No. No. I mean, no more than you could have a relationship with Elon Musk by looking inside a Tesla. Now, it's going to tell you something about his standard of excellence, his desire for sustainable energy, his sense of humor, if you've ever been in a Tesla. But you can't enter into a relationship with Elon without getting to know him face to face. This morning, do you have an intimate relationship with the Lord? You say, well, I mean, I'm at a Christian university, gonna to go to D-Group tomorrow, I go to church. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons you might do those things. Impress your parents to get something out of God. That's not my question. Do you desire Him for Him? Is, is He the first thing in your life above everything else? Because if He is, You don't have to worry about anything. If 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 he is the one thing, because he is the only thing in life that can never be taken away. And so David says, you can overcome fear by trusting God. You can overcome fear by desiring God. Finally, he says, you can overcome fear by waiting on God. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? We see this all over the Psalms. Isaiah 40 talks about these young men who are fainting and falling. And now all of a sudden they're flying with wings like eagles. That's pretty cool. As long as they're not from Pensacola. Just kidding. How do they go from fainting and falling to now they're flying like eagles? It's by waiting on the Lord. And what does that mean? It means to patiently depend on Him. This is something the animal kingdom does instinctively. Psalm 145 says, The eyes of all the animal kingdom look to you, and you give them their food and their season. You open your hand and satisfy every living thing. Animals wait patiently on the Lord. Do you? How many of you have a dog? Okay. How many of you know what it's like for your dog to wait on you? When you come home, when you open the door, does your dog roll her eyes, turn her head the other way? That's a cat, not a dog. When I pull into my garage, all of a sudden I hear my dog... Barking, Her tail is slapping against the door. I open the door and she is spastic, wanting to see me. Why? Just to be with me. Not because I have a treat, not because I have a gift. That's my teenage daughters. The only time they get excited to see me is if I'm bringing them something or opening my wallet. But, but with my dog, she just wants to be with me for me. She waits patiently all day just to see me. Maybe a little too eager. I have a friend who, who talked about how he rarely pet his dog and he came home one time from a long trip and he thought, I need to pet my dog. And so he's reaching down and she's so excited. He's like, she's going to hyperventilate. And she did. She passed out like one of those mountain goats. It just falls over. This is four-year-old Evelyn from Alabama. She had wandered off from her family's backyard. She was lost for 48 hours. And when the rescuers found her, guess who had stayed by her the whole time? Her dog. Maybe you've heard the story of Hachi. It was turned into a movie. This little dog who would come with his owner from Japan and wait at the the train station every day for his owner to come back. And when Hachi was two, his owner died at work, never came back for the next ten years Till Hachi died when he was twelve. Hachi would patiently come and wait and wait and wait for his owner. If a dog will depend, that patiently will wait on a human like that. God is infinitely higher as our creator. Will you patiently depend on him? See, when when you focus on yourself, on your fears, on your anxieties, all of a sudden they look really big and your God looks really small. David invites you to change your focus. He says, instead of looking at your fears, trust God, desire God, depend on God. This summer, my wife and I went to see our missionary in France and someone from our church, Karis Martin, was the intern at that church. And we had a great time, met a lot of the the dear families like this sweet family in the church. Uh, but we also brought our daughter, Karis. And so we said, OK, we have to see downtown Karis with Paris with Karis and Karis. So uh, we took the Karises and uh, Karis was already studying there. And so she was showing us all around downtown. And we said we also need one of those cliché tourist photos where it looks like you're pinching the Eiffel Tower. And and the reason that optical illusion works is because your fingers are so close to your face and because the tower is so far from you. But that's not reality. That's just an illusion. And all you have to do to to realize that your fingers really aren't that big, they really aren't big enough to crush the Eiffel Tower, is you, you quit focusing on your fingers and you walk a little distance... And the closer you get to the Eiffel Tower, the more magnificent and gargantuan you realize it is. The the more you recognize its greatness and how puny your fingers actually are. That's what Dave is inviting us to do in this psalm. He says, if instead of focusing on your fears and your worries and your anxieties so that your God seems small and your problems seem big, if instead you would pivot and change your focus to see how big your God is, to trust God, to desire God, to depend on God, all of a sudden, you'll be able to overcome your worries because of your great God. Father, with finals around the corner, some of these students will struggle to sleep in the next few nights because their GPA is their one thing. Or getting into grad school or getting a good job in a recession. Father, some in here this morning are anxious about finances, about friendships, about their family dynamic, about the future. Help them trust you to be their light in the darkness. Help them desire you to be their one thing. Help them patiently depend on you. By your grace, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.